bless Brother Pope. Praise the Lord. I need your prayers more than I need your hands. <laughs> the Lord's good to us. And aren't you glad to be an American? And isn't it a good thing to be in the house of the Lord on this Sunday morning? Praise the Lord. I've been thinking here lately, it's been on my heart, how that uh, really we, we just, uh, we come to church, the Lord blesses us, and we come back to church, and we go home, we work, and come back to church. But I thought of some of, I refer to them as patriarchs. You may think of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but I'm thinking about uh, patriarchs after the patriarchs. And uh, so I come up with this thought, what is the depth of my commitment to Jesus Christ? We could say dedication, but I think you can use the words interchangeable. But uh, anyway, and I, possibly there's different levels of the depth of your consecration and of your commitment. But anyway, here is the definition of commitment. A feeling of very strong support or loyalty to someone or something. So that's the definition of commitment. And we have many examples in the Old Testament of individuals who have really committed their lives to the service of God. You may be seated, I'm sorry. <laughs> and of course, we could, we could probably name hundreds, but, but I've thought of two or three that you're very familiar with, but uh, we, that really were not afraid to give their lives for the cause of, of the work of God in the Old Testament. And we have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We've heard that story a lot of times. But it's still amazing, if you think about it, how these people in that day, long ago, they were willing to be burned alive. That's what the bottom line is. They did not hesitate. They did not bow. They did not succumb to the king's desire. They were right ready without kicking, hollering, screaming, don't put me there. They were willing to be sacrificed for the cause of God. And, of course, Daniel, their, you may say, uh, their close friend. They were all carried into Babylonian captivity at the same time, I think. But Daniel was willing to be thrown into the lion's den. And I'd like first, as we I mentioned these, and just asked, I asked myself the question, Whenever I was preparing this little lesson, I thought, would I be willing to be thrown into the lion's den if it was required me to? So you'd have to, uh, we, could, we could name a lot of them. You've got this really dedicated to a cause, and you think of Joseph, and you, well, you could name, uh, I suppose, I don't know how many you could name, probably yourself, you could probably name 50 people, but anyway, that's in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we find John the Baptist coming on the scene. And really, he was a great man. Uh, the Bible refers to him, I think Jesus did, as the greatest prophet that ever lived. And I thought a little bit of John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness, they say. And I thought of his family. I thought of his mother and his father. And any time they had a gathering or something, probably... 
John was missing. Where was he? He was in the wilderness. He was, he was preparing himself for the coming of the Lord. So John the Baptist, what happened to him? We know he baptized Jesus Christ, and he preached uh, powerful sermons. But then uh, actually got put in jail. And then we know the story well how that he was uh, required through the desires of an ungodly woman that he gave his head. Just wanted to please him. You know, Herod's stepdaughter, he called in and to dance, throw a party, whatever he required her to do. And, and so he gave her anything you want. You know, he gave her a choice and just choose anything. And so she wanted John the Baptist's head. Can you imagine that? Of course, that was a result of her mother because she, uh, we know the story, why she really had the uh, desire to get back to John the Baptist because he had really taught against the sin that she was committing. But anyway, here's the point I want to make. He gave his head, he was beheaded, and uh, she, the daughter brought it to him, presented it on a platter. That's a, a terrible, terrible death. But uh, I want you to keep in mind, ask your question, what would I do? Would I be willing to do that? And what is my death of my commitment? Good. Now, Romans 12 and 1 the Apostle Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Now, I don't think this, I don't think that he means that we would necessarily have to go out and maybe just submit our bodies to be burned at the stake. However, I do think that if it's required of us, then we would have to be willing and able to do that. And that's, that's asking a lot. Would you be able to do it? Would I be able to do it? Would I be willing to sacrifice my life? But anyway, we have some scriptures, and I'm going to be reading quite a few scriptures, but that John the Baptist is gone, and Jesus comes on the scene after he's baptized of John the Baptist, and we know uh, and read of his ministry and what a ministry it was. And, and we have, he chose, during his ministry, at the beginning of his ministry, he chose 12 apostles. And we know the 12 apostles, and most of you probably could name them. I don't know where you could or not, but we should. If we've been around a church for any period of time, if we've been around a church like I have all your life, we should be able to name the apostles like that. Now, to be honest with you, I, I have to stop and think. I did, when I was reading this, I said, now let's see. And then I, one, 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 did I miss one? Really, we should know that. We should know that, really. But anyway, I want to read you uh, Jesus after he had ministered and done uh, no one any harm. Everywhere Jesus went, he was doing good. He was healing the sick. He even raised the dead. He was doing, doing good. And uh, what did he receive for doing good? Well, let's, let's look at uh, Matthew, the 27th chapter, 29th through 35th verse. We'll have it on the board, and I want to read it to you. 
if I can see this with my bad eyes, I'm having a little bit of eye trouble, but it's a little lengthy, but I won't read it. Beginning at the 29th verse, and when they had planted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head, and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him, and mocked him, saying, Hail, the king of the Jews. And they spit upon him. Can you imagine that? Just started spitting upon him. And took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that, they had mocked him. They took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of the skull, listen to this. They gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. He was beaten. He was beaten with and scourged. And if we can have that first picture up, brother. Uh, I wanted to show you this. I don't think that's it. Yeah, it is. That's a picture of the hand. Now, he was nailed to the cross. Both hands, both feet. And really... I wanted to show a picture of the stripes on his back, but uh, it was so gross, so uh, I, just, I just felt like I didn't. I, I even called Sister Martha, and I asked her, I said, reckon I should show this? And she said, no, don't show it. But he was, he was so beaten with the Roman whip that you couldn't, you couldn't recognize it really as being a human back. And we have a a picture of the whip, and uh, if that comes up on the board, and so there, you see there's two whips that was used in punishing people by uh, death when they were crucified, and one was a Roman whip, and the other was a Jewish whip. Now, the Roman whip, you can see it there. It had bones of metal on it, and whenever they would lashes back, well, this would just pull, pull the skin back. It'd do more than that. It would go down, and, and one uh, reading that I read said it would go down even to the insides and just pull, just think about it, pull his, his flesh away, go right down to the innermost part of his body. But I, uh, I would almost like for you to see that, but really I didn't know if there'd be any young people in here or not. But uh, think of what Jesus suffered and how he died, that we may have freedom today, that we may have salvation. It's, a, uh, it's a really, really something, if you think about it, it'll make you want to cry. And if you see the pictures, it would bring tears to your eye. It brought tears to my eye. But the, the Jesus, Jesus uh, he, he was put to death. He was buried. You know that story. Prior to that time, after he'd been teaching the apostles, really, uh, the apostles, uh, they didn't accept his death. They could not accept his death. 
And so, but, uh, and I don't think they never did accept it until the resurrection. That's when they really become believers. We've heard the story many times about the two disciples that were walking on the road of Emmaus and how Jesus appeared to him after he came forth from the grave. And then uh, even they didn't believe, they couldn't believe that was him at first. They were distraught, they were disgusted, they were discouraged. But later uh, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us? And so, but after, after the resurrection, then the apostles uh, really began to believe in the Lord. They did believe in him. And uh, I want to show you. I tell you what, go ahead and put it on the screen, brother, the 12 apostles. I don't think this is going to come up too good. The, twelve, the picture of the 12 apostles. I might have confused him there. Do you have it there? Okay, is that up there? Okay, it's not very plain. But anyway, this is a picture of the 12 apostles. Now, actually, this is not really a, a picture where you go out and, and snap their picture, but this is an illustration here. I just wanted to, to point out some of the deaths that different individuals, apostles, really what happened to them. And, uh, well, really, if you want to know what happened to them after... Uh, Stephen's death, and I might be getting behind me, I wanted to point out first Stephen, one of the uh, seven deacons chosen, how Stephen uh, expounded the gospel, how he preached it, how he got in trouble by just preaching the truth. And it's amazing how whenever you really try to help people, whenever you try to help an individual in preaching the truth, that they'll turn against you and not accept it. But that happened to Stephen, and uh, what a... Uh, Mighty man of God he was. Yeah. I think he advanced from waiting on the tables and for helping the poor. He, he probably never stopped helping the poor, but he, he started preaching, and God blessed him. And the Sanhedrin court and those five men he actually conversed with, he, he was much smarter, and they could not take it. They couldn't take it because, really, one reason they wanted to stone him and get rid of him was because he, they just could not... Uh, combat successfully his teaching of the gospel. So anyway, uh, they stoned him to death. Do you have a picture of that up there, brother? You see, they picked up rocks. They picked up big rocks and stoned him to death. And that wasn't uncommon in that day, but uh, it's something. Uh, if I had to go through with it, could I do it? Could I, could I actually... Could I actually... Stand up for the truth if I had rocks coming toward me. It's something to think about. It's something to think about. And what is my death of my depth of my commitment? Okay, and then we have the 12 apostles. And I'm on, this may not be in a specific order, but I wanted to, uh, do you know what happened to the apostles? Do you ever think about it, what happened to the apostles? Uh, we know after the church beginning to be dispersed, and, and it really happened after Stephen was uh, stoned to death, which sometimes you think that's bad, but, but really for the cause, it multiplied the church. It multiplied people again. And after, 
to preach and go everywhere. But uh, some, this is what's amazing to me, some of the apostles went to uh, India, Asia Minor, Iran, North Africa, Egypt. And you say, well, how do you know that? It's not in, not in the scripture uh, that lets us know that, but we uh, go back to history and we can pick a lot of it up. And I believe it. I went to the Bible does say they were scattered all over the world. In fact, that was one of the charges brought against, against uh, Paul and the early uh, apostles there said this, you're upsetting the whole world. Everybody's being affected by it. So they went everywhere. Now, number one, Peter, he's known as the rock. He was crucified head down. The story uh, goes that he didn't want to die with his head uh, up like uh, Jesus Christ died. Andrew, brother Peter, he was crucified. James, son of, son of Zebedee, was beheaded. Philip was martyred. Bartholomew, listen to this, was skinned alive. Thomas was speared to death. Matthew suffered martyrdom in Ethiopia. James, son of Alphas, he was martyred in Egypt. Thaddeus was killed in Persia. Simon the Zealot was hacked to death. Matthias was martyred. And, of course, uh, Paul was beheaded. You say, well, does the scripture bear it out? No, the scripture just records one or maybe two deaths of what happened to the apostles. So we rely on tradition and history. And actually, I think it's pretty accurate. I really do, I think it's pretty accurate. But, uh, and then the apostle Paul, I want to sort of singled him out because I think Apostle Paul, other than Jesus Christ, suffered probably more than any man alive. He, he really did. And uh, I'd like to turn to, let's see if I can find it, uh, Romans 8 and 35. Romans 8 and 35. And I'll read these verses down through 39. Now, I don't know what will separate you, and I don't know how far your commitment is, but sometimes we're so easy to get sidetracked, and sometimes it's amazing to me, even I could say you, but, but uh, uh, if somebody were to walk up to me, and I don't mean to be just comical, I'm dead serious on this lesson today, but if somebody were to walk up to me and just say, well, you're you're a terrible-looking person. I don't like your looks. I never have liked your looks. And uh, I know you're going to laugh, but this, this is what, if I'm not careful, this is my reaction to be. It shouldn't be, but I'd, I'd go home tell my wife what they said, and I'll say, can you believe it? And they look like a monkey or a baboon. See? That's... We, we don't react too well, we, we, uh, but we've got, to, we've got to be willing to accept abuse and whatever, regardless of what everybody uh, says against us, uh, mock us for living holy, for looking different, for being committed to Jesus Christ. We've got, we've got to, I have got to come to that position.
I've got to do it. Now, uh, who shall separate us? This is Apostle Paul. From the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearls or sword. I wish you just think of those words. I know you've read them, but as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We can conquer. We can be more than conquerors through anything that comes our way. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of Christ which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. What is my depth of my commitment to Jesus Christ? That's the question I'm asking myself this morning. The Apostle Paul says in another place that I've suffered uh, five times stripes, 40 stripes save one. 39 times he was uh, beaten with a stripe. Now, I do believe that the Jewish stripes and the uh, Roman stripes, I think, are different. Do we have a picture of, of the back there, brother? I may be messing him up. But, uh, and this is pretty gross, but not like the other. He, he may bring, there it is. I, I, I would have to say that would be an example of the Apostle Paul. You say, well, that looks mighty bad. But really, that is bad. But five times he was beaten like this. Five times. Can you imagine that? And I don't think, it, I think it was the Jewish stripes. I don't think it was the Roman stripes because I I don't think there's no way he could have survived. And, and I, most of the men, the stripes that Jesus received couldn't survive, I don't think, because the two whips were different. And uh, if you noticed the picture of the whips, if we had them on there, I think, the one that I know it did, the one with the bones and the metal, that was the Roman uh, whip, which they scourged Jesus with. Okay, uh, Let's see where I'm going next here. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 11 and 24 and 28. That's just what I was just uh, referring to. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, saved one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often in pearls of waters, in pearls of robbers, in pearls of my own countrymen, in pearls by the heathen, in pearls in the city, in pearls in the wilderness, in pearls in the sea, in pearls among the false brethren. Do you still want to, to, to live for Christ? You still want to walk this narrow road? Well... In Romans 8 and 18, if I can quote it, I don't know where I can or not, uh, the Apostle Paul says, I suppose the sufferings in this present time are not worthy to be compared to the sufferings or 
to the glory, rather, of what we shall receive. In other words, regardless of how bad you suffer, the glory, is, it can't even be compared to the glory you're going to receive. So what if we had to be beheaded? What if we had to receive 39 stripes? What if that would occur? And what if we lost our life in the process? Think of what we're going to gain. Now, it may sound like it's a little... Uh, a little negative talking here, but really, if you think of it, it's positive. I, I remember my sister, Lou Dean, she's, a lot of you people know her, some of you don't know her, but when she was growing up and on up a uh, teenager and later in life, she, uh, a lot of the family felt like she was going to be a missionary. And I remember one time when she was thinking this was... Uh, I don't remember the age, but she's probably up around 30 years of age. Uh, uh, she left one or two thinking that she wanted to go on a mission field. And I remember uh, one of my siblings talking to me and said, well, she don't know what she's doing. She's crazy. She don't want to go on a mission field. And I remember telling her, I said, well, it would be a real good thing for Ludine if she'd go to... Africa, India, somewhere, and get her head chopped off for the service of the Lord. And that sounds terrible, doesn't it? That sounds terrible. But look, regardless of what happens to you in this life, think of the crown that you're going to receive. That's, that's uh, really, really something. And thinking of that, I thought of a, a story I read of this uh, doctor and his wife, Dr. Bell and his wife, Virginia, went to China. He was a medical missionary. In other words, he, he, uh, he worked at the hospital, took care of the sick. At the same time, he preached the gospel. He preached. And so they had, they had two daughters. One was Ruth. One was Rosa. And this young girl, uh, Ruth, she would pray and, and hey, she would hear her dad and her mother talk about uh, missionaries and talk about martyrdom. And, uh, and she'd listen to those stories. And that's one good thing. Whenever her parents was eating around the table, it's always talking about the work of God. Isn't that a good thing? But anyway, she heard those stories and she'd go to her room. And this young girl would pray. She'd say, Lord, before this years out I want to die a martyr please let me die a martyr and her sister would be on, on another room praying and said Lord don't listen to her prayer don't listen to her prayer but anyway that's a true story she did she actually wanted to die a martyr she thought it would be, be a blessing but uh, we have uh, other men, and I'm going to have to watch my time here, I see that, who suffered and died after the, for the cause of Christianity. Right. You know, uh, in later years, we, we've all heard about uh, uh, the Reformation and all. Uh, one Martin Luther, he suffered uh, for the cause of uh, uh, Christ would have to say that. A lot of us may say, well, was he baptized in Jesus' name? Uh, 
Do you receive the full revelation on the Holy Ghost? I don't know exactly what his uh, final outcome was spiritually, whether he spoke in tongues and baptized in Jesus' name or not, but I do know that he suffered a lot for the cause of Christianity. And uh, he, you know the story of how he nailed 95 theses on the church door of the castle at Wittenberg. And, uh, and he just, after coming from the, uh, being a monk and studying the Bible, and a lot of these men that I'm fixing to tell you about here, that they, it's amazing to me how they devoted their life, although some were highly educated, highly educated most of them went to, uh, graduated with high honors, with degrees from colleges. But anyway, Martin Luther, he, he, he suffered. And, uh, you know, he, reading the scripture and, and while he was a monk, he couldn't accept the fact that the Catholic Church and the Pope, you know, uh, engaged in indulgences. And you know what that means. That means that, uh, you know, I, uh, you pay me for so much money and I say a prayer and your relative will be will be set free, They'll, you know. Uh, he couldn't accept that. Of course, there's 94 other things he couldn't accept. But anyway, he suffered, suffered for the cause of Christianity. And sometimes we say, well, we don't even realize, really stop to think about it, what some of the people before us went through. And the, it was just, uh, we, we, in one sense of the word, I think we, we are living on easy street. We've got it so easy. We've got it so easy. And we, we don't know hardly what it is to suffer. We really, I don't think we do. But I do feel like this, if the Lord tears, which I think the Lord could come any moment now, but if he doesn't come in the next few minutes, then it's very possible and probably that we'll have to do some suffering. Ever, ever since uh, God created man after Adam and Eve, uh, people and children of God uh, went through some suffering. Some didn't die, but a lot of them did die, as I just read you here. But anyway, we all just right now thank the Lord that we're in church and we have this opportunity. God, we do thank you for the privilege, the opportunity to assemble ourselves together. Oh, God, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We have several men. I just wanted to make mention to them here. You probably know more about them than I know. But, but uh, uh, have you ever heard, and I'm sure you have, you probably heard of the John Wycliffe. You probably heard of the Wycliffe Bible, but that's you may not have. But who was John Wycliffe? Cliff. Well, he was instrumental in the first translation of the Bible yes. in the 13th century. Right. That's a long time ago. But see, some people back there uh, went through a lot of agony for us to be able to enjoy something so freely. And we've got, we've got the Bible today, and I've read f from this uh, English translation, and uh, and how did it all, where did it come from? How, did, how do we have this printed Bible? Well, William Tyndale 
was the first to print the Bible into English. Well, what happened to him? What happened to him? He was strangled to death and then burned. So the authorities in that day, the, supposedly the, the church, which it wasn't the church, could not accept the fact that he was uh, promoting the Reformation and printing the Bible. And so he, he gave his life for the cause of Christianity. So what is my depth and my commitment to Jesus Christ? That's, uh, we, have, we have just uh, uh, a whole lot. I'm watching the clock here. Well, how, how can we be more committed? That's the question that I want to bring to you. How can we be more committed? And uh, one thing Proverbs teaches us, it's one verse there, I don't have it, but it says, hold fast to instruction. Hold fast to instruction. Brother French, he's uh, preaching to us, and he's instructing us constantly. He's bringing us the word, and we're receiving instruction, but we need to hold on to it. Hold on to it. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a couple of scriptures in there that, uh, that mentions cleave. C-L-E-A-V-E, I think it is. Don't we need to cleave to the Lord. And what does the word cleave mean? I think you, you can understand it means to uh, uh, adhere to. Uh, even Jesus told... told uh, referring to the, the marriage, said uh, a man to, and woman to cleave to one another, to cleave. In other words, become, become uh, part of what you believe in is what I'm trying to say here. Really, uh, and I run, into one, run upon one scripture. I've read this scripture several times and I always wondered about it. It's not, you don't find it, but I think one place in the scripture uh, uh, addicted being, and I thought, well, I looked it up, and it's in First uh, Corinthians sixteen fifteen, where the, they were uh, addicted to the ministry of the saints. If you read that, and I thought of uh, addiction, how I can get a hold of you. We all know the story of drugs, and we uh, are constantly faced with the drug problem in this culture, and probably out of this group of people, there's. Someone in here probably has relatives or somebody that's uh, addicted to drugs, and uh, it's just hard to get away from something you're addicted to. Well, is it possible, is it within the realm of possibility that we could be addicted to Jesus Christ, to his cause? I remember one time going over the group of people over into Canada, was uh, up at Detroit, was attending church conference, and this one preacher, uh, and I think the only minister in the group, and he, he kept uh, 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 saying, well, at least, at least twice, I know I say, kept saying, I remember twice, said, I've got to get somewhere and pray. I've got to get somewhere to pray. Well, we were off up there walking down the streets and, and, uh, in Canada and observing the buildings and the stores and the people, and he kept saying, I've got to get somewhere and pray. Well, do you ever feel like that you've got to take time out to think upon the Lord, his work, 
Is there any such thing we can be addicted to the cause of Christ? Uh, I tell you, we've, we've got a little ways to go. I really think we have. But anyway, I have a whole lot here that, that, that I could, could say and things I could bring to you. Uh, but I don't, I, don't have a, I don't have the time, really. But the thing is... Can we really live for the Lord in this day and time like they lived in the, that day and time when we have all these modern inventions and contraptions, I would say. And it's an amazing thing to me how uh, we're going to, uh, well, I'm going to have to stop. I had I several things I want to say. But I, I've asked Sister French to, to come and sing a song, and she's so willingly uh, accepting that, uh, and I want you to really think about the words. Listen, everybody listen to me now. Look up here and see my fingers. <laughs> I want you to listen to the words as she sings this song. Uh, just uh, listen to the words. Can we do it? Can we? Are we arrived yet? Have we arrived? Okay, Lord bless Sister Fred. Oh, 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 oh,
Are you traveling upward today? Hallelujah, Jesus. Traveling onward, upward daily. Lord, I'm on my way to victory. And when I reach my Calvary, All right, let's stand together, shall we, all across the sanctuary?